I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a form of But that Why hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We We want want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. It's your host, Josie, and I hope you guys had a lovely Thanksgiving. I knew I wanted to have a dietitian come on the podcast around this time of year, and I thought the week after Thanksgiving would be perfect because there is so much stress around food right now. As both a health coach and the wellness editor, I've seen triggers or you know issues about food during the holiday season every single year. Maybe you feel stressed about keeping up with your health goals when there's a lot of sugar and alcohol and bread rolls and pasta, all the things. And you feel guilt or shame about what you ate and feel the need to detox. Or maybe you don't have the stress around food necessarily, but all the holiday parties and the baking cookies and meals with your family will leave you feeling lethargic and sick and bloated. You know, maybe you're getting breakouts or feeling unmotivated to keep up with other healthy routines. So I get that the holidays can be really hard when it comes to food and physical health in general. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Lisa Moskovitz, who is a registered dietitian. CEO of NY Nutrition Group and author of The Core 3 Eating Plan. I really wanted Lisa to come on and share her tips and insight because she has a lot of great advice for eating healthy and feeling good through this time of year while still allowing yourself to indulge. But she's also huge on focusing on mindset and how restricting yourself or shaming yourself can only backfire. So this episode covers a lot of really transformative advice, honestly. Um, I've worked to find the balance with the wellness section on the Every Girl site of, you know, acknowledging and helping with people's health goals to improve their well-being, their physical health, and not shaming women for any health goals they have, you know, not feeling like weight loss is necessarily a bad goal for every person. You know, we all have our individual goals and that's okay. So our job as the Every Girl is obviously to help people with that, um, but still be encouraging people to find a healthy relationship with food and achieve food freedom and you know, live their lives. So it's a really important balance to me. And I think Lisa absolutely nails it. You're going to get so much out of this episode. Just a quick note that Lisa was recording from New York City. And throughout the interview, you might hear some of those lovely New York City sounds from the street, like a car honking or an ambulance. And, you know, I loved it because I could feel like I was in New York City living my Carrie Bradshaw life. So, you know, just a note, thanks as always for being patient with us with the technical difficulties. Lisa has so much advice for you. So let's get into it. Please welcome Lisa Moskovitz to the Every Girl podcast. This week's review comes from Tara Samuels, who writes, fasten your seatbelts. 
Holy cow, just make sure you be careful if you listen to this episode while driving. There were so many amazing nuggets of information in the couple of shows that I've binge listened to that I had to pull over and take notes. So just brace yourself and strap in for an amazing ride with the Evergirl podcast. It's now one of my go-tos, especially when I'm driving. Thank you, Tara. I love this review so much. Definitely drive at your own risk because you will want to take notes as I feel like I say in every episode. Don't forget to DM us at the Evergirl podcast on Instagram to collect your Glossier set. For this week's giveaway, in honor of this very wellness-focused episode, I want to give away one of my must-have absolute favorite products from the Wellness Expert Gift Guide up on theevergirl.com. I'm talking about none other than Instagram viral, influencer and celebrity-loved Bala Bangles. You can strap them on your wrist or ankles to make any workout a little more challenging, but I also like to put them on when I go for a walk or I'm cooking. It's a weird flex, I know, but I swear you can get a workout in doing anything thanks to these very chic wrist and ankle weights. To win them in the color of your choice, all you need to do is leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to tell us what you loved about this episode. Now let's go ahead and dive in. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. I am so excited to have you on. Like I was saying to you off camera, your ideology on diet and nutrition is like exactly what the world needs to hear. So I have so many questions for you. I know you're going to have amazing tips for our our audience. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. And I hope that I can help people find the path they need to be on to feel their best from the inside out, really. I know it's not easy and I try to keep it simple and digestible and relatable as much as I can. Yeah, you really do. You like simplify it too. And I wanted to have you on the podcast, especially this time of year, because there's a lot of holiday events that center around food, primarily less nutritious food, which can cause people a lot of stress. You know, for some people, it's triggering to feel like they have less control over what they're eating or they feel guilty about what they ate. Or for other people, you know, it's less about the guilt, but they just feel more sluggish. Their gut health suffers. And you have so many great tips to help people, especially during this time of year. So let's start at, you know, the very basics. A lot of people are going on diets right now, especially in between that Thanksgiving to holiday parties. Like it's, it's kind of like the diet central season. You've said diets don't work. Why? Oh yeah. So, and I, I, you, I like to say this diets don't work for most people. I never will speak as if what I'm saying applies to every single person and as if what I'm saying is absolute fact. I think anyone who speaks unequivocally or or in these has these dogmatic views, to me, it's an automatic red flag because everyone is so different. We have to respect what we call bio-individuality, that everyone's needs are different, their genetic makeups, their personalities, their medical history, their lifestyle, their goals. So we have to respect that. There are people that go on diets and lose weight and feel great and they live their life and they go on. And But there are an alarming, staggering number of people who feel bad or like failures because the diets don't work. And those are the people that I like to speak to the most because those are the people that are struggling the most. They're feeling ashamed, guilty, bad, unlovable. I mean, it goes so deep. It runs so deep. Weight and our appearance has become this whole other level of something to live up to that's unrealistic and unsustainable and idealized. So really just getting back to your question, the reason many diets don't work is because they're not personalized. They're too restrictive. 
They're one size fits all. Someone who's 300 pounds has the same program as someone who's 150 pounds. That's not active. It doesn't make any sense. And they also mess with your relationship with food. And that to me is something that I see across the board. When clients come in for help because maybe they've tried diets or they've just tried losing weight. Maybe you didn't actually go on a set diet plan. You just tried to to eat less and move more and it doesn't work. In the process, you start to look at food as good and bad. You start to put so much pressure on each thing you put in your mouth. This becomes good for weight loss. This is bad for weight loss. I should be eating that. I shouldn't be eating this. And then we start to stress around food more and it snowballs into something that can really, really mess with your quality of life even. And then obviously if we're getting into the real extremes, it can lead to an eating disorder down the road. But most people, it can just lead to disordered eating. And some people will even go as far to say that most diets are disordered eating. Like, inherently disordered eating because you're not really listening to your body. You're letting these outside rules dictate what you put in, what comes out, what the choices that you make, when to stop eating. It's not like I'm going to stop when I'm satisfied. It's I'm going to stop because I'm supposed to, because I have to. Because if I don't, then I'm not going to lose weight. If I don't, then it means that I overate. You might not even feel like you overeat. You actually might still be hungry. But according to this diet plan, that's too much food. And you start to develop more stress, more fears. The whole process in itself is, it's just not healthy at all. So if that's what's happening, that is what I believe. If it's messing with your relationship with food, that's what I, when I believe it's, it's time to, to hit the pause button, find a different approach. And that's when I believe those diets do not work and they fail that person. There's other reasons too. When you lose weight, your metabolism adjusts. When you're eating less, you're burning less. As you lose weight, your body doesn't need as much energy. And if you're doing it in an extreme way or you're eating very little and exercising a lot all at once, that impact will be compounded. Your metabolism will start to slow down. It's a good thing because it's protect. It's a protection mechanism. Your body is saying, hold up. I need to make sure I have enough calories to move around. I need to make sure I have enough reserve for, for my basal metabolic rate or my resting energy expenditure, which is how many calories we burn at rest just for our heart beating and our lungs pumping oxygen. These things that are keeping us alive are burning calories. So we need a basic amount. And if you're not giving that to your body, you will start to burn less. Your metabolism will start to slow down to protect things. So that's when people might start to notice those plateaus. They might even start to notice that it's much easier to gain weight, like just a weekend away with your girlfriends, or we're talking about holidays coming up, a couple of holiday dinners, and all of a sudden the scale is up and it won't go down. Obviously, if the scale is up overnight, that's not real body fat gain. It's something else. It's water weight, constipation, maybe hormonal fluctuations. But if it's happening over time, a pound every week, that could be real body fat. And it could be because your body is saying, I'm not happy there. Something's wrong. That wasn't good for me. And I'm gaining weight now to protect myself because that wasn't right. And that's the way that you can look at it. Not that you fail, not that you're doing something wrong. I know it's hard not to get frustrated. Uh, It's hard not to blame yourself, but you can't do that. Doing that is going to send you on a doom spiral. And when you're in a bad headspace and negative mentality, it's going to be hard to get back to a positive place and start to do good things for yourself again. So it is tough. And this is a time of year especially after the summer, which I actually believe 
the summer is when a lot of people gain more of their weight in the summer because we're socializing more. Yes, it is. And I see it, people. Like, yes, holidays are the time where we hear about the weight gain, holiday survival uh, guide, and here's a way to prevent holiday weight gain. And you're going to gain, statistics show, five to 10 pounds of weight gain in the holidays. The reality is, is that and there was actually a large study done, close to 3,000 people, population size, that showed actual weight gain is close to one pound over the holidays. It's only one pound, not the wow. five to 10 pounds that we hear reverberated in marketing campaigns and go on this diet so you don't have to gain weight and you can beat your New Year's resolutions or whatever the tagline is. And I, again, this might be part of the diet industry and they want to use this as a time to make sales and increase their bottom line. And I think when people have it in their head that this might be a time that I'm going to gain weight, I have to be afraid. I have to do whatever I can. That right there, almost it's like a reverse psychology and you end up eating more, exercising less, feeling worse. You almost end up doing more negative things for yourself when you're so worried about gaining weight, like a a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's why I think it's important to understand that that idea that of, of weight, gaining weight on the holidays, it's not so true. It doesn't really, it's not really scientific. It's not, it's not so true. And we can just feel free and comfortable and present in the moment to go into these times where a lot of our favorite memories are around these winter holidays. And as children, this is when the most exciting time and whatever holiday you celebrate, it could be a very exciting time. And you're with your family more. Yes, food is is definitely a focal point. It's like the center of the table. It's the, we always think about the food. This is a time where it's supposed to be enjoyable. You're supposed to go in and be able to enjoy yourself, not stress and worry. It's not the time to be on a diet. It's okay to diet, but I don't recommend this particular time as the time to start cutting things back and restricting. You bring up so many amazing points about dieting in, in general. Like I, I think what I hear a lot is someone being like, you know, so-and-so says that this is the miracle diet and, you know, it's going to make you lose weight. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you live forever. And we, there's like the reason there are thousands of books out there of other people saying, this is the diet, this is the diet is exactly what you're saying, that there's the bio-individuality that everybody is different. So instead of like our culture, so programmed to tell us if a diet quote doesn't work for us, if we either can't stick to that diet, if, you know, we're not seeing the results that we think we should have on, on certain diets or certain ways of eating, then we're programmed to think something's wrong with us. When in reality, that just means something's wrong with the diet. And like you're saying, like it's it's not your body punishing you for anything. Like weight gain is not your body's way of punishing you. It's your body saying, this isn't actually good for us. Like it's it's almost like a your body's way of communicating with you. And we're so yeah. distanced from that. So you bring up so many really amazing points. And that's fascinating that more weight gain like typically happens in summer and that it's only one pound on average because there is so much fear mongering around like, you know, you need a detox and like all these stressful events coming up. And and obviously the holidays are so triggering for people with, you know, food issues that stress about health. So that is fascinating to know how much of that really is fear mongering. So let's say someone going into it is like, okay, I hear you. Like I, you know, I'm trying to trust the process and enjoy and not worry about, you know, my health or gaining weight. What would you recommend that they do? Like, is there, um, I know you talk about intuitive eating, like, is that the right approach? And if so, like, what does that look like? Like, how can someone practice that? Yeah. And I just want to also say, because 
worrying about your focusing and worrying about your health should be very separate than worrying about your weight. Weight loss doesn't mean that you're going to be healthier. Being in a larger body doesn't mean that you're unhealthy. Being in a very small body doesn't mean that you're healthy. It's not about the weight. You can be healthy at any size, but there are certainly people that say, I know that, but I also know that I will feel healthier at a smaller size. And that's okay too. I don't, there shouldn't be any, you need to be doing this or you should be doing that ideas around weight. It's it's an individual choice. It's your body, your choice. Okay. So just had to say that. <laughs> that's so important. Thank you for saying that. It's so important because I think people are like, oh, and people like roll their eyes at health at every size too. They're like, oh, seriously, yeah. like you're glorifying and celebrating people who are obese and have all these medical issues. It's like, well, there's people who actually are very healthy and they'll always be clinically obese, but the inside is perfectly healthy. They're doing everything they can and their body just can't lose weight. And I've seen it all. I've seen every single type of person that comes into my practice. And that's why I can say this as someone who's had a firsthand knowledge and and experience working with people like this. So I just want to put that out there. But then there's people who are like, that's great, but that's not me. I want to lose weight. I know this isn't my happy, healthiest weight. Fine. That's also okay. So going into the holidays is still, even though like I said, the average person may not gain any weight at all. And if they do, it might it might be not... In, like I would consider insignificant. A pound to me is insignificant. You lose a pound in, in, in a week. So, But going in, I think it's very important to understand that if you are normally very restrictive and careful about the foods that you allow yourself to have, if you are someone that does a lot of food labeling and demonizing certain foods and banning certain foods from your house, like your environment is very, very strict and there's not a lot of food options at home. You don't keep certain foods around. When you go out, you're very, like I'll stick to the same salad. People that are just very strict around food, they're going to probably be the ones who struggle more during the holidays, because now all of this food is around, which we knew was going to happen at some point, which is why I don't recommend very restrictive ways of eating. And here it is. And you've told yourself these are bad. You told yourself they're off limits. And then you've now decided how you're going to feel the moment you take that first bite. You've already set yourself up for that before you've even gone into the situation and let yourself do what you need to do. So you're going to go in. There's going to be foods that you like. You're going to eat more than you normally do. It's a part of the holidays. You're supposed to eat a little differently. And even looking at it as a chance to do that, chance to take care of cravings, get more variety, be in the moment, make good memories. Like It's not all about the food, obviously. There's other, re- there's other things you can focus on with the holidays. But you're going to eat more. You're going to eat differently. And if you're looking at these foods as quote unquote, or so-called bad for you, you're going to feel bad when you eat them. And what happens? You're going to be like, oh, I already did that. I might as well keep going. I might as well have another slice of pie. I might as well tomorrow wake up and get whatever the heck I want to get. It's It becomes this, and then it becomes this all or nothing. So when you try to do it all, you're never going to be able to do it all. And then you're going to end up doing nothing or feeling like you can't do anything at all. So it's this back and forth cycle. So going in to holidays like this, and this takes time. So uh, if you're someone that is struggling with this, it's not going to change overnight. You can't just decide, okay, I'm going to stop banning food. I'm going to let food, I'm going to let myself eat what I want. I'm going to give myself permission. It's not that simple and easy. It does take time to navigate that. In the beginning, you might when you're first giving yourself permission to enjoy foods again, you are going to eat past the point where you're comfortably full. You're going to have times where you eat a little bit more than what's comfortable for you. And you're still going to have times where you eat a little bit more and feel guilty, bad, ashamed. 
defeated, whatever it is, that those aren't going to go away overnight. But the more you work on it, the easier it gets. Because really, you're just working on that that innate ability that we're all born with, which is to eat instinctively, to listen to our body. So you're just bringing that out. It's already there. So for some people, it really, like I have clients who are like a week, two weeks, it clicks. All they needed was to hear, it's okay to eat those foods. They're not bad for you. You're not going to gain weight or get diabetes or your teeth, you know, your teeth aren't going to fall out overnight from having too much sugar. They just need that reassurance because they were so used to hearing sugar is the devil. Everybody needs to lose weight. Being underweight is beautiful. We're so used to hearing these messages and these ideas and they become so internalized that we don't have that other voice. We have no other voice, no other ally in the picture to help us fight against that. So to work with somebody who can guide you in this way, who can give you better messages to crowd out those other negative messages, which is what how it works. You're not going to just stop thinking that. You just need to have healthier messages start to crowd out those other negative messages, which does happen over time. Some people, it's right away. Some people, it's a much longer circuitous route that they have to take to get there. And that's okay. So the point is, is obviously holidays around the corner. It's not going to maybe happen right away. Maybe you've been working on it and it will. But going in, I do think it's so important to look at it as an opportunity. Okay. This is a chance for me to be with my family, take some time off of work, enjoy good food. Not everybody necessarily believes that they'll have good food. And then there's also a lot of people that holidays aren't about that either. You know, there's people, not everybody celebrates all these holidays. Not everybody has, you know, is fortunate to have family around them. And that can also bring up a lot of uncomfortable emotions and feelings, which could lead someone to food too in a different way. So there's could be a lot of emotional stress eating. There's people that are kind of the heads of the family and they're the ones that have everyone over and they're the ones worrying about the food and worrying about presence and worrying about dealing with relationships and interpersonal conflicts and family you know, issues. And they're the ones who are just dealing with all of that stress and they might turn to food. So there's a lot of different moving parts. There's just the food all around that can be really scary for some people. There's the stress for a lot of people that could lead them to eating these comfort foods. And then, you know, there's also people who aren't in these situations that are feeling more lonely and food is, is there as a, also as a comfort. So, but ultimately in any scenario, I say too, it's your relationship with food. If you are someone that doesn't have the healthiest relationship with food, food is, is more stressful. Eating is more stressful. The more you stress about food, the more likely you are to turn to food when you're under stress. And so figuring out and working through some healthier coping mechanisms, non-food related ways to relax and to self-soothe and to pacify whatever feelings you have is so, is so important especially around this time of year, because it's, even though you might have an issue with food, it's usually not about the food. It's something else going on. So going in, I think that's so important. And then still focusing on your health. Like we're not, you know, and I'm not saying, and I think that's the big myth. And I, I don't really consider myself very strong, intuitive eater dietitian. I actually consider myself more diet neutral where I believe it should be client-centered, not diet-centered. So people come in and we might spend all of our time working on intuitive eating because that's what the person wants to do. And that's actually what we've decided and agreed is the best thing for that person. But then other people can come in and we focus more on weight loss and we come up with a plan for them to intentionally lose weight. So everybody's very different. But I would say that you could still focus on making sure you're eating a balanced meaning, including fiber-rich carbs, 
lean protein, anti-inflammatory fat, which is part of the pillars of my book, The Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan. I talk about what those are, what they look like. We go into portion awareness, the importance of each. But having those three things, that trifecta, that balance will really keep blood sugar stable, appetite manageable, energy levels will be good, mood, mental health will be a little better. When you have that constant and consistent amount of of protein, fiber, and fat at every meal, you really, it makes it much easier to stay mindful and be able to make choices that you want to make and not ever feel like things are out of control or not ever feel like, you know, that urge to, you know, even if you might, you might still have cravings, but you, it won't feel out of control basically when you have that balance. So I think that is really important eating at regular intervals with holidays, especially if you are someone that's hosting or preparing your busier deadlines, work stuff can really pile up at the end of the year. It's very common and easy to skip meals. Some people do it intentionally. They're like, oh, I'm trying to lose weight anyway. I might as well, you know, take advantage here. I'm not really hungry. I don't have time to eat. I'll just skip a meal. But what I always tell people is, look, you could either eat a little bit now or you're going to eat a lot more later. That's it. Those are your choices. You could skip a meal now. That's fine, but you're going to need to eat much more later then. That's how, like, there's no cutting corners when it comes to that. So it's very important to be consistent with eating times too. And journaling can be really, really helpful. I'm such an advocate of journaling. It's free, it's easy, it's so impactful. And not talking about like the calorie counting apps, which for some people can be very helpful. And there's a few that I like and recommend and I do with clients, but there's a lot of other people that it doesn't help them. It just makes creates more noise and pressure around food and eating. And it really, honestly, calorie counting is like the opposite of listening to your body. It's just the complete opposite antagonist of listening to your body. It's you're not gonna be able to do it. You're gonna be focused on the calories. Your body, your body already counts calories. You don't need to micromanage. Your body knows exactly how many calories it's getting in at all times. Whether your brain is aware of it, your body knows. So calorie counting is okay for some educational purposes to learn about what you're putting in, even to make sure it's balanced and saying, making sure you're getting enough protein and fiber and fat and even carbs. Fiber is a carb, but getting enough carbs in general is important. But journaling, um, Separate from that, just writing down what you're eating, how you're feeling around the food choices, why you made those food choices, and how satisfied you were afterwards. So that's, I have a little spreadsheet that I use with my clients that kind of lists all these things out because I say that's the stuff that we really want to get at. It's not what you're eating, it's why you're eating those foods that really matter, that we want to know. You know, if you had a salad because you were in the mood for you were in the mood for a salad, it was there, it looked good. You haven't had you know salad in a while, or maybe you did, but it just looked like a, you would enjoy it. Then great. But if it was like, nope, this is the lowest calorie, only good choice on the menu. I have to eat this. This is what I need to eat for weight loss. Everything else is fattening or bad for me or whatever. That is a very different story. So you might eat the exact same, but the way you eat could be healthy or unhealthy, even if you're eating the exact same thing, because it's the why behind it. The main takeaway, it sounds like, is like the mindset is everything. Like obviously if people listening will have very different goals, like you said, everybody has different goals. Everybody is coming from a different place. And, you know, when I was planning this interview with you, I was really kind of thinking of, okay, I want these two kinds of people. One that is going into the holidays being like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. Like I, this is going to divert from my eating plan. I don't know how to enjoy food. And then the other person who is, you know, good at enjoying food, but is like, I'm going to feel like shit for two months because I'm, you know, enjoying the food so much that I don't kind of have the 
you know, additional, like adding in those things that are good for me. Like I know there's, those are two kind of extremes and the reality is the vast majority of people are probably in the middle and experiencing both. But I like that you kind of bring up like that there are two different goals. It's not like that there's just like everyone eat healthy and feel good about food. And, and it's that simple. It's like that you have to meet yourself where you are and be really honest with yourself on what is your goal? What is your mindset around food? What is your purpose for what you're eating? So I think the journaling exercise is really helpful. Do you recommend to clients to do that? Like at the end of the day, after meals, before meals, like I'm a good uh, micro detail person. So like whatever uh, advice you have on like, when is most effective? If someone does want to do, you know, My something dog agrees to really with you. Sorry. <laughs> My dog's Thank like, I want to say something it. about this topic. I love this topic. <laughs> <I have> thoughts. <laughs> Perfect. Right. So yeah, I would say that's a really good question because it is, it can be any time of the day, really. What probably works the best is when people do it at the end of the day. It's just a time where it's easier to remember too. If you were to wait until the next morning, for example, to log what you ate the day before, a lot of those emotions that come and go, they may be gone by that time. And it is really hard to remember everything we eat unless we're tracking pretty close to the time that we're eating. For example, when I have clients come in to see me, I always, part of the intake is I'll say, tell me what you normally eat. I just want to get an idea, you know, not to give me specifics or details, just give me a sense of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Are you eating after dinner? Are you cooking? Are you ordering out? Give me an idea. And we'll always go through it. And I'll say, okay. And you know, part of the, of the first step of goals might be to do a journal. As you can tell, I'm a very big fan of it. So I'll I'll recommend that they keep a journal and some clients will roll their eyes and say, yeah, right. I'm not doing that. Don't give me homework. And some clients are very happy to do it. And they're like, this is the best thing ever. So got people in between too. So when they do bring the journals back in, when we meet for a follow-up, we'll go through it. And I always find it very interesting. Not every single person, but most people, their eating is actually very different than what they thought. Interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. And I think part of it might be that they're telling me what either they think I want to hear or what they try to eat like. They're giving me an idea of what they know to be healthy or what they believe that they, you know, what they try to strive to eat every day versus what's actually happening. And so when they bring in the logs and we look at it, it can be very different. There might be a lot more ordering out than they thought. There might be a lot more skip meals, a lot more snacking at the end of the day. Some people even will come back and just say, I honestly didn't want to do the journals because it was embarrassing to write everything down. And I was afraid of judgment. And I was afraid you were going to tell me you know, this is bad. And I just felt bad about it. And I'm like, okay, well, there's something we can work on. Right there is where we need to work on. What we need to work on is you feeling that guilt and shame around the food is enough that we know we need to figure that out. Because again, it's not about what you're eating. It's about how you're feeling around the food that you're eating. So again, it's I'm not saying it's not important at all what someone's eating. That's kind of my, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's not because it is. But look, if you're really listening to your body, chances are you're going to, sure, you're going to crave foods that are higher in sugar. You're going to crave chocolate and maybe fried food and a lot of carbs. You might not always crave broccoli and, and apples and yogurt and all those things, which we know are very nutritious, but eventually you will start to crave both foods. You will start to crave salads. You will start to crave protein and 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 anti-inflammatory fats like nuts and seeds and avocado. And I know that you will if you can start listening to your body more. 
I think that's really good advice and and what people need to hear. And like even thinking about the holidays, you know, when, for example, so many people will have a dessert and regret it and think about it and, you know, reflect on like, why did I do that? I ate that dessert when it's like you ate one dessert. It's fine. You, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's, it's because we've demonized that food for so long, instead of thinking like, you know, how can I set my body up to be able to enjoy this? Like, let me get some extra veggies because that will help the glucose spike. Or like, I just won't feel the effects as much. And and also like, it's okay to eat that dessert. That's not going to be the end of the world, but to look at it holistically of it's not just you are bad or you are good. Kind of going back to that, like moral compass. I think we put on food where it's, you know, I was bad because I ate that or I'm good because I ate that. And instead it's, you know, what can I do overall to like support myself and also be able to eat the foods that I enjoy and like to provide myself enough nutrients to feel good while still being able to eat what tastes good and what I'm enjoying. So like if someone's looking at a buffet, I know I keep going back to the holidays, but that's because it's like, this is when it's most confusing. How does someone find that balance when they are in the moment making decisions about food? A hundred percent. And there are certain, certainly things that you can do so that, and I, and what, what I'll often tell people is when you're making any food decision, it's very important to ask yourself just two questions. What am I in the mood for? And how could I make this more nutritious and more balanced? That's and good. Those two things, I love that. That's it. Not stop with the, what should I eat? What's the lowest calorie? What's bad? What's good? And it's hard also in social settings and when you're around other people, because you have other little voices and chatter and things of like, oh my gosh, you're going to eat that. Oh my gosh, the chatter. Or some people feel around other people more self-conscious, especially around family members. You know, we're not really talking about this so much right now, but the elephant in the room is that there are times when you're around family and they'll make comments about food choices and weight. And just being around family in general can be a lot and put a lot of, um, that, you know, there's more, you're kind of like facing the mirror a lot of times with them, or you're just kind of dealing with things that kind of shaped how you feel about your body and food today. Some of the food and body issues that you have today are a product of what we were exposed to and around when we were younger, the way we were raised. So it can bring up a lot of that stuff too, even trauma. We can go as far as to say that, but regardless, let's just say, let's take all that out of the equation. When you're, when you have a lot of food choices in front of you, those two questions can really help guide you. And then when we're talking about how to make it more nutritious and balanced, what we mean by that, or what I mean by that, is to try to include, and the easy way to do it is this. You could just literally take your plate, cut it in half, try to fill up the plate or make it to the foundation or at least half your plate of vegetables, a quarter protein and a quarter starch, and then include something that you're creating. I mean, the starch could be whatever it is, your grandma's mashed potatoes, sweet potato, whatever pasta dish that your aunt brings that you like, it's any carb at all. But if you have half of your plate vegetables, what it does is it takes the edge off. It makes you feel like you have a lot of food on your plate. Vegetables are really filling because of the fiber and water that it that it contains and that's giving, bringing to the, to your body. And the protein is also important because that is also filling and it takes longer to digest. So protein and fiber take the longest to digest. And for that reason, I'll even tell people, if you have any food in front of you, sometimes it does help to eat in a strategic order. Not like you don't have to be super, you know, uh, hyper fixated or focused on it. And I definitely wouldn't recommend this for somebody with an eating disorder because 
it can kind of create more issues and then make people think more about food. But eating the protein first, then following it by the vegetables, and then finishing it off with the starch or the carbs on your plate can also be really helpful to make the so that you can feel more full by the time you get to the food that maybe you really want or crave. You're less hungry, so you can enjoy it in a way that's more sensible and mindful, and then you can feel that satisfaction better. Because when you're eating something that you really crave, like if you weren't if you weren't eating that much for dinner, if you were saying, I'm going to have a very light dinner because I want to have a big dessert. The reason I don't recommend that is because then when you go into the dessert time or whatever dessert is in front of you, when you're feeling extra hungry, on top of the fact that you're having these cravings and these are foods that you love to eat, you're going to end up eating a lot more and you're probably eating past the point of feeling comfortably full. So you're going to go past that point of satisfaction to feeling really stuffed, which is kind of like a rite of passage for Thanksgiving anyway, but <laughs> unintended, but it's not always like a great feeling. And obviously doing that in any, in every situation, because we can be, I mean, it's not just holidays, there's weekend eating where we go out with friends and family. And some people get together with family once a week and have big meals. So if that's happening along often enough, it's not going to feel good and it could affect your health in many ways. But in this situation, you want to try to fill up first on these on fiber and protein and then save the starch carbs and the dessert for last so that you can still enjoy it. You're still giving yourself permission. You still have room for it, but you could eat the right amount or the, the amount, sorry, that not the right amount, there's no right or wrong, but the amount that will make you feel the most satisfied. That's a really, really great tip. And you also hear that a lot with like, like I know if people are going to a restaurant that they want to enjoy, they're like, I'll eat less throughout the day because I'm, it, it's almost like you're compensating to be able to eat more. But yeah. but totally like it's, we've all been there where that's backfired and we're sitting there and like the bread basket comes and we're like, I'm just going to stuff my face because I'm so hungry. I have no control because your body's like, I need nutrients. Like I need energy. And we've deprived ourselves all, all day. So instead of you know, I think that's a helpful thing just to think of like, get in your nutrients first, if you can, like, because th- then that's so helpful. Like then I can mind, mind fully enjoy, which is the reason you're doing it is to enjoy. The last thing you want is to mindlessly go into something and just kind of be like shoving it in your face because your body is so starved of nutrients. So that's a really great tip and a really great way to think of it, that you can be totally guilt-free and you maybe won't feel the same like sugar crash. You know, I know if yeah. I don't eat like veggies or like if I just will eat a cookie as a snack, I know I'll feel awful the whole day. But if I eat a cookie after dinner, I feel great because I had veggies, I had protein. And so it's like helping your body yes. be able to manage it. So that's a a really, really great tip. Okay. The next thing I want to go into, because I'm just so curious what you would say about this, because I know right now, obviously this episode is going live right after Thanksgiving. A lot of people are like, I need to go on a Thanksgiving detox. And you see that word kind of all over media. Yes. We actually have an article that's like why you don't need it because it, it to me is so fascinating that people even like go there. What are your thoughts? It can be about like detoxing with holidays related or just like that word detox in general. Like, is it bullshit or is or can you really do something after to like compensate? Like, what are your thoughts? Because there is so much confusing information around that word detox. Totally. I'm sure no one's going to be surprised to hear that I don't recommend. There is no such thing as a detox. You just can't. I mean, our body detoxes on its own. We don't need to do that. Our liver, our kidneys, like our body is detoxing constantly. You can't, you can't compensate. And the issue is that if you give, this is the biggest problem, right? If you give yourself the option to detox, like, oh, it's okay. 
I'm just going to detox after this. I'm going on a diet tomorrow. You know, that, that proverbial, I'm going to, my diet yes, starts tomorrow. Diet tomorrow. You're now like, okay, this is the, ch- let me get it all in now while I can. It's the last meal. Let me really make it count. My diet starts tomorrow. I better eat everything while I can. You almost like create that food scarcity, first of all, which is like, I don't, my body's not going to get enough food. So let me make sure I have it all at one time. And then that food scarcity never really goes away. And you might feel yourself like constantly worried if food is going to be there. And I'm have to like, if you're constantly in restrictive mode, that food scarcity is a, is a real issue and can lead you to overeat actually more than it can help you eat less. But giving yourself that option automatically can make you eat more than you need to. You're not listening to your body either, of course, but then you're automatically going to eat more than you need to. So compensating for what you ate is a disordered thing to do. It's a disordered thought process and behavior because A, you can't, like you already ate it, the food is gone. And the good news is you probably burn most of it off anyway. I don't even care if you had a 2000 calorie Thanksgiving dinner, your body is going to burn it off. You don't need to cut corners and rush the process and try to like skip ahead with a detox because A, you can't. It's only going to backfire later when you're eventually that hunger is going to catch up to you again. And then that can set off an all or nothing cycle. And that can set off like the yo-yoing and the restriction and then the overeating, the restriction, the overeating. And I'll tell people like, you'll eat less to prevent overeating, but then that eating less only leads to overeating. It's like you're doing the thing that's actually causing the overeating and you think it's helping the overeating, but it's not, it's making it worse. So I'm not a big fan of it. However, again, I always add that there are people that love it. They feel good on it. They're like, no, I, you know, and some people, not everyone does it for weight loss. Some people are like, I just want to do it because I liked that feeling that reset that I like just knowing that I'm putting all of these green juices or whatever it is in my body. I like, I feel more motivated to eat all these things. And I'm not going to argue with that. And I'm like that, you know what? That's fine. That's good. That's great. There's people that I might, you know, in a one-on-one setting, if it was my client, I might go and challenge them a little bit on that more and say like, okay, but are you, you know, I just want to make sure you're really sure that this is good for you and where it's coming from and why you think you need to do this and why you think it's making you feel better. Like, is it really making you feel better? So I might challenge that more in a one on one setting. But to the general public, you know, everybody can do whatever they want to do. You do you. My only can I only like to say, here are the pros, here are the cons. You weigh the choices here and then you decide. Obviously, there's times where it could be really dangerous and that I always like to really strongly warn if you are somebody that has a history of an eating disorder, if you're taking certain medications that require that you eat at certain times and eat enough, if you're uh, like obviously pregnant, if you're if you're young, if you're under the age of eighteen, no, absolutely not. Wouldn't recommend it. Don't do it. Not healthy. Don't do it. But for everyone else, it's your choice. And sometimes people won't really believe certain things aren't aren't great or don't work out unless they live it and experience it for themselves and do it themselves and that's fine you know sometimes you have to just see it or feel it to believe it and if so if you need to do it to figure it out that's fine so compensating not not a big fan of it i would just say again and again if someone was working with me one on one i would say okay let's even talk about why the fact that you you feel you need to go on a detox. Why are you feeling so out of control 
during holidays that you feel like you need a detox afterwards. And that's where we might get into the relationship with foodstuff and their eating habits. And, and, and like we talked about before, like not eating, banking their calories, not eating all day in anticipation of a larger meal that night and what that does and how that sets them up moving forward. So not the thing that I would recommend, but you can certainly go back to just focusing on healthy habits and behaviors. The hardest thing could be like some people say, well, look, I feel so off track after the holidays. I just feel like I can't get my act together. I can't get back into it. I just need something extreme. I need to like have something like, just tell me everything to eat. Don't give me any choices. And that can work for a certain period of time, but it's not really helping you in the long run. It's not, it's like a very short term solution. It's a quick fix, but it's not any, it's not a long-term solution whatsoever. And then we'll go into like, is it the eating habits that you can't reel in and change and like what you're choosing? Or is it the mentality that you're in? That's what you can't get back on track with. It's your mentality. You can't get back into the mentality around cooking at home, meal prepping, exercising a few times a week, drinking your water, journaling. That's what we need to focus on. It's the mentality. Why can't you get back the mentality? Because of the mentality you had when you ate those foods. Because you told yourself that was so bad, you committed a crime, you deserve to be locked away. That's why you're having such a hard time getting back on track, so-called back on track. It's the mentality. It's not the diet you can't get back on track. It's the way you're thinking about it. Yeah, it goes back to mindset, which makes so much sense because like, like especially that word detox, I think like obviously our body is set up to detox on its own. Like we have multiple detoxification systems in our body, but where we start thinking, okay, we need a detox after the holidays where we are eating a lot and drinking a lot. Like it's almost like that, like the fear of calories. Like we feel like we need to be doing something. Like you, I know you hear a lot, like I have to go for a really intense run the next day after I have a big meal because I have to burn it all off as if like, that's how it works. When in reality, like your body needs a lot of those calories to just like live much less, you know, move and breathe and go through life. Yes. Calories are good. We need calories. Calories are good. We need (laughs) calories. I, I know it's like, all these things are coming to my mind. Like there was that one fact, I don't know how many people heard it. If it was just my high school, but I remember ever yeah. being like, did you hear that to burn off one M&M, you have to run the length of a football field, like oh, crazy gosh. stuff like that. So then it's like ingraining the idea that we need to be actively burning things yes. off when that's not reality, right? And like earning your food. And then you think, oh, earning so I can't eat an M&M unless I'm like a track star? Like, was that what you're trying yeah. to tell? And that's where <laughs> yeah. that comes to. Like, okay, I guess I can't. And, and then I always have to remind somebody, and this is where I love, we have this machine in our office. It's called, the technical term is an indirect calorimetry. And it's a basically a metabolic rate test. And you breathe into a tube for 10 minutes and it works through oxygen exchange. And it actually will tell us how many calories someone is burning at rest your resting energy expenditure. People think that if they don't move all day, like sitting at, like a lot of people are so working from home, sitting at their desk, not moving much. Maybe they go out to get a coffee or something very simple, walk their dog and that's it, that they shouldn't be eating a lot because they don't need it because they can't, they haven't done anything to deserve it. But when you look at these tests and when you look at what the resting energy is, you could see that actually, even if you were very active, majority of the calories you expend every day is from your resting energy expenditure. Like if you laid in bed for 24 hours, did nothing, you didn't even get up to pee. You just laid in bed all day. 
you would still be burning, most people still burn over a thousand calories a day. The average is probably 15 to 1600 calories. And it could be a lot higher for someone who's active or in a larger body or has more muscle mass. It could be a little lower for someone who's in a smaller body and less active, but the average is about that. So when you consider you're still probably burning close to 14 to 1500 calories a day without any movement, then I think it can help put things in perspective. Yes, in order to lose weight, you have to create a calorie deficit. But remember, if you eat too little, now you're in your starvation zone. And that's where we go back to what I was talking about before with the metabolic decline. Your metabolism can start to slow down to catch up to it. So calories are very interesting. And not all calories are created equally. And they'll say, oh, that, you know, those almonds have. 100 calories in, a, in seven or eight. I, mean, I don't know the exact calorie. I probably should, but I don't. I'm like, getting like seven or eight. So like, why would I eat that when I could have like five rice cakes for the same amount of right. calories? So when you look at it, what are the rice cakes giving you? I actually enjoy rice cakes. I really like them. I don't think that to be a diet food, but they're not nutritious. They're low calorie, but they're not giving your body anything. All the nutrients you would get would be what you put on top. The almonds, think about what you're getting for those calories. Think about the fiber, the antioxidants, the vitamins, the minerals, the protein, the fat. You're getting all of these things that your body really needs that are essential, that are going back and actually helping boost your metabolism. Not to mention nuts can also help fight high stress levels, cortisol, which can store fat. So there's actually been studies showing that nuts can fight abdominal fat accumulation. So here people are scared of eating almonds because they're so-called fattening, but they actually can help your body fight against storing fat. So, But because they're high calorie, people want to avoid them all the time. I'll say, how about having nuts in your desk? Those are a lot of calories. Those are very fattening. Stop. You know, Again, calories are good. Calories keep us alive. We need to eat calories. Yes, you could eat too many calories and gain weight, but that's not going to happen when you're, being, when you're listening to your body and you're eating nutrient-dense calories. That's the difference. We want the nutrient-dense calories. So talk about calories all day, obviously. But I think that's just so important to understand because that's something that I hear all the time. Yeah. And and it really is like we have such this obsession with calories, or at least we have for decades. I I, I think that we're kind of moving away from that, thank God. But but that it has been for so long, like health equals calories and, and like awareness of health is calories and low cal is good and burning off calories is good. And now it's like, no, no, calories are not a demonized thing. They're like actually the only way we can continue surviving. It's just like a way we measure food. Like it doesn't have to be deeper than that. So I think that's really, really critical for people to hear. Zooming out to the bigger picture, because I, what I imagine a lot of people are thinking are like, okay, I I want to have a healthy relationship with food. And I also want to either, you know, let's just even take weight loss out of it. And just like, I just want to feel good. I want to heal my gut. I want to heal my hormones. Like I want to eat. And there's a lot of, you know, especially just on TikTok, I feel like there are two separate things of like, the intuitive eating, eat what you want group, and then the heal your hormones and eat, you know, really plant-based. Like there's, there's no kind of integration of the two. How do you recommend that people have a healthy relationship with food while still kind of working towards health goals? Oh yes. There's a lot of noise. It's really hard to cut through it all. It's really hard to feel confident just that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right thing for yourself. So, and I, you know, obviously the first thing would be if you can, if you have the means and the resources and the availability to meet with a registered dietitian, that always is very helpful to get that one-on-one attention, one-on-one attention, someone to sit down with you, look at your whole history, look at you and, and put everything together and, and consider your, your needs, your goals, your lifestyle, 
that is is always the first thing that that I recommend. But not everybody can do that. Not everyone has insurance that will cover that or has the means to pay for somebody out of pocket or has a dietitian close to them. So if not, I always say you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You really do. There's so many views out there, opinions out there that are so dogmatic. And, and it even comes from people that we, we respect, look up to, that we, we like to think they know what they're talking about. Like there's a lot of, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of doctors who are very, very public. They're all over the place. They have tons and billions of followers and views and people liking and subscribing and living their life by their word. And I look at it and I, 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 cringe half the time at the stuff that they're putting out there. It's not always evidence-based. And I'm someone that I like to say I am evidence-based, but you know, I don't believe that, that we have to be evidence-bound. Like there's certain times where there might be something that helps somebody that's not necessarily evidence-based, that there's no research to support that. But if it helped them and we have these anecdotes, that's something to still consider. But when someone's mostly not evidence-based, you know, most of what they say has no merit or research or any clinical data to support it. That's a huge red flag. And I see that a lot and I see it happening. And what's the problem is, is that when they're on social media, they straddle that line between medical healthcare provider and influencer. And I do think it can be an abuse of power. I think they realize they have, they can like double down. They have a, a, a much higher ability to influence people Then it really can be very dangerous. I think, and and a little scary. So make sure that A, first, when you take any information from online, make sure it is, uh, especially if it's about nutrition and health and anything health related, that that person does have credentials. I'm not saying that if you don't have credentials, you don't know what you're talking about. There's actually a lot of brilliant people out there that, about, that know a lot about nutrition that aren't registered dietitians, that know a lot about medicine, that know a lot about this and that, that might not actually have the credential, but they're speaking to the public. Just understand that when I post something online, I know there's so many different eyes on this. I mean, let's not, I don't have that many followers. So I, there's a variety, so many, right, a variety right. of different <laughs> eyes on this post. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know if they have an eating disorder. I don't know if they're taking medications. I don't know if they're this. I don't know where they are. Sometimes it's low hanging fruit, especially people with eating disorders might doom spiral more on social media looking at people who are talking about weight loss, looking at people who are saying, don't eat this, it's not good for you. And don't eat that, it's not, it's not good for you. And they're the ones who are going to be most affected and impacted. And so I consider that when I make posts, but not everybody does. Not everybody considers all of the people who are looking at that, and where they're coming from. And they're talking to one specific population and they're not being clear about that. And I just wish there was more disclaimers. That's all. I wish that when someone made a post, you would see not recommended for these people, these people, these people, or these people. This is specifically for that person. And maybe that would help a little bit. But unfortunately, right now we don't have that very often. And there's a lot of clickbait and people want to make it sexy and scary because that's what people click on. They like, it has to be so jarring and alarming or salacious or something for people to want to to want to read it. And the boring stuff doesn't sell, but that's usually more of the helpful stuff and the healthy stuff and the accurate information. So just try to take it with a grain of salt. Make sure you do your research on your own. Make sure if something feels wrong or off that you don't ignore that. 
And then really, if you're going to make any major changes, I just really recommend meeting with, with some kind of expert or specialist before you do anything drastic. It's really hard. Social media is a big one. It's, it's tough. It's great. I mean, there's so many good things about it too. And I think it can provide so much inspiration and people connect with each other and they do learn a lot of good things. But fortunately, with the good comes the bad. Yeah. It, and it's a lot and it's, you're inundated all the time with all this information. So that's really helpful to kind yeah. of like take a step back, really think about, you know, going to people you trust, having that bio-individual approach. So that's all, I think a very helpful way to almost like cut through the noise and understand what will work for you and what won't. And if someone is saying something like where they're so sure of it, like they're like, this is the way you're supposed to do it. That should be the first red flag. That's it. Yes. Oh, that that's a exist. good tip. Yeah. Yes. That should be the first red flag. Yeah. Cause there's no one size fits all. Correct. So moving now to the, the people that are listening that are like, I am really good at enjoying foods and I love my foods, but like my gut health feels really bad for the next couple months throughout the holidays. Like I feel sluggish. I, you know, just don't feel good. I have stomach aches. I have headaches, whatever it is. I would love to know, again, I know there's no one size fits all approach. Maybe this is against what you even believe, but I would love to know how you approach the holidays, like, or in general, when you want to enjoy foods and alcohol, but still want to feel good and keep up with, you know, feeling good in your body. What tips do you have? Like, what do you do um, either for yourself or what do you kind of generally recommend clients so that they have that balance of feeling good and enjoying foods they love? Yeah. And you brought up GI issues or gut health specifically. And I would say that could almost be a separate thing because there are people that really do have foods intolerances, food sensitivities, certain foods just don't, don't, uh, they don't, they don't digest them well. They, they feel more bloated. They feel more constipated. Maybe they get more diarrhea, like all of these uncomfortable side effects come along with it. And that's an entirely different thing that we would have to figure out and explore what those intolerances or sensitivities and even could be, and even rule out other conditions like SIBO, which is very, very big now. We're seeing more and more people diagnosed with with uh, with SIBO, which is like a bacterial overgrowth. Or if they might have, you know, IBS is a little hard to do, but celiac disease. And there are tests that you can take, not always so accurate, but there are tests for food sensitivities. I have mixed feelings about it. I would say the, the best way to diagnose a food sensitivity is just an elimination diet, but not everybody wants to do that because it takes a lot of time and it's really tedious and totally understand. So you can do these food sensitivities tests too, but just again, you can't always take them for face value. And that's the honest truth. We even offer someone at our some at our practice for those people who want to do it. And I always say that. I'm like, we can do it, but I'm letting you know, it might not detect everything that's bothering you. And it might show up things that aren't really bothering you. And that's just, that's all we can, you know, that's just the way we have to use it. But if you're someone that doesn't normally have these issues and you normally feel pretty good, but like the holidays do make you feel more, like you said, sluggish or or more bloating comes up and you're just kind of feeling off and not yourself. And alcohol could have a very big part of that and, and role in that because alcohol absolutely will make us feel more tired, more sluggish, more bloated. It affects our sleep. I mean, there's no like good amount of alcohol to drink. We know the American Heart Association recommends one drink a day for women, two drinks for men. But it's not like you should drink and have a drink every day. But we all, you know, most of us do it, drink anyway. I definitely will enjoy some wine or cocktails or whatever. So you got to live your life. But I would say 
that would probably be the first thing I would look at is like, where are the things that you're, you could easily compromise with yourself? Like, what are some things that you really don't need to do, but you just do it? Cause like everyone else is doing, or you like think you want to do it and you're like, oh, you know, I just had a glass of wine and then like my friend tops me off and I just keep drinking and I'm not saying no, or I'm like the last person to leave the bar, whatever it is. Like, that's the first place I would look at. Like, what are things that you're doing that aren't so healthy that are also making you feel? bad. First place I wouldn't look at is like, how much, like, are you having an extra serving of pasta at dinner? Are you putting coffee creamer in your coffee? Are you drinking two cups of coffee instead of one? Like those are very small details. I wouldn't look at the small, I would look at the bigger things that you're doing and the things that you're doing that are especially not so healthy in the long run. But again, focusing on what to add in can be so helpful. So are you drinking enough water? Are you getting in any exercise? Not over-exercising. I recommend usually about three hours per week. I think that's a really good amount that you can commit to and sustain, and it gives you all the benefits that you need. Are you eating enough vegetables and fruit? Are you getting enough protein? Are you doing any... Have you stopped cooking for yourself? Have you stopped planning meals ahead? Are you skipping breakfast again? Are you going to bed really late and waking up early because you just want to finish that show on Netflix and you just can't turn it down or you're on your phone you know, on Instagram or TikTok or whatever until it's two in the morning? which is a surprisingly a lot of people that do that. So yeah. those are the those are the things like I would say, you know, it's always like the four pillars are diet, exercise, sleep and stress. You know, those are really the four pillars of health to really feel your best, diet, exercise, sleep and stress. So we want to first look at how we can and and one can help the others. You know, getting more exercise can help with your sleep, can manage your stress and can even make you more motivated to meal prep. So there's like all, you know, one can help with the others. But I would probably say for people like just focusing on those four things and like trying to do a little, okay, I'm going to try to go to about a half hour early tonight. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get a few more vegetables and water in my diet. I'm going to try to walk an extra 10 minutes today and I'm going to try to, you know, maybe like do more deep breathing exercises or something, or like make another appointment with my therapist because especially right, right now, we get into the colder and I'm on the East Coast. I'm in New York, obviously. So here it might be a little different than other places, but we experience like it literally goes from like hot, sunny, warm, bright to like dark, cold, and gray, like really quickly here. It like, it's like a 180. Um, and so people feel that here. And it's like, even though I've been living here my whole life, I still never really get used to it. And like you kind of around this time, although we're getting a little bit more used to it now, you kind of can feel a little bit blah and just down. Things might feel a little bit harder. My managers might be a little more tired. I had so many clients just being like, I'm so tired lately. I don't know why. And I'm like, well, September is a giant Monday and October is like a Tuesday. So we're getting over the (laughs) the hump a little bit. We're almost at Wednesday. And so, you know, that's a big part of it is just sometimes like there is some things that we need to like either ride out in the past or like, you know, make that appointment again with your therapist, check in with yourself, ask yourself about the emotions and things like that. But I would really do what you can to try to get to one thing in each of those categories as we get into these, these seasons. And if you're doing that, then you should be okay. You should be okay. You're not, no one has a perfect diet. No one has perfect anything. So if you could just say what one thing this week, literally I am going to make one improvement in one part of my life this week and then you do it and you check off that box, that's amazing. And then you can hopefully keep going from there. That's really good advice. And I'm so happy you brought up 
sleep, mental health, taking care of yourself in all other ways besides just diet, because they're obviously all integrated. Like it's all a, a one holistic kind of pie chart of who you are as a person and your overall health. But it's, it's interesting to see, you know, the mindset of a lot of people is I didn't eat well all weekend. I drank a lot. And they almost think like, well, it's ruined anyway. So just for the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the, till the end of the year, like I hear that phrase a lot of like, it's ruined anyway. And I definitely used to feel that way myself too. But I think it it really, for me personally, transformed when I realized when I either eat a certain way or, or maybe even I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because I, I had a holiday party and I had to be up for work. I didn't get a lot of sleep. Instead of maybe old me might've said, this day's ruined anyway. Let me just kind of like go get a breakfast sandwich that's going to make me feel bad anyway and like skip my workout or whatever. That's when you need it the most is to support yourself, is to check in with your mental health so it, that it's it's not, you know, what you eat will ruin the rest of your health goals for you. It's that your health goals can be part of that, but it's not the only part. It's like one piece of a lot of really, really important parts of the puzzle. So I love that you bring that up too, because I think especially this year, that's an easy mindset to go into. Yes. And I think that is, that is really good advice. Cause even if you just had like a very big meal and you know, you're, you're coming off of a, of a weekend or a bender or whatever it is, and you're just not feeling good. You're like, I ate, you know, you're, you're kind of in that headspace of I ate so much and why did I do this? And why did I do that? Remember it's, it's, first of all, it's gone. It's done. It happened. There's nothing you could do to change it. And I always say it helps to know, you know what? Maybe my body needed it at that moment. I Maybe I ate a little bit more than I wanted, but my I obviously did that at the time because my body somehow needed it. And that's it. And let me leave it at there. And today's a new day. And what I do to, what I did yesterday doesn't have to dictate or determine what I can do today and just start to focus on the habits, behaviors. Maybe don't step on the, if you are someone that uses a bathroom scale and weighs yourself often, maybe don't do that after a big meal or a holiday dinner or a weekend away, whatever it is. Because why, you know, why, why do you need to see that? It's not going to be hundred percent accurate. You're going to be retaining water. You're going to see that on the scale. Our bodies are about 60% water. So even if you saw two to three pounds, there's no way all of that is body fat because most of your weight is water. And so maybe put that away, give yourself a week or two, but it's, doesn't have to derail you. It doesn't have to define anything. You're allowed to eat a little bit more once in a while. You're allowed to eat certain things when you want to eat them. And if you really want to find your healthy weight, this is a part of figuring that out. You're not, you're going to have to eat this way. The way you eat to lose weight is the way you have to eat forever. So if you're saying, well, I shouldn't have eaten that. If I didn't eat that, I would have lost more weight or it would be at a lower weight. It's like, okay, but then what kind of life is that? How can you sustain that? So it's like, no, you have to do that. And if that's the only way you're going to lose weight is to restrict and deny and not go to like participate in holidays and go out, that isn't a healthy way for you. And that's definitely not a good quality of life. And that's something you have to consider as well. It's really important for the way people are viewing their health right now to hear that information. So I I love that. And that reminded me too, I, I wrote this down because I loved it so much. I saw on your Instagram that you said, weighing yourself on Monday is like looking for your ex's Instagram feed. And I'm like, that's so genius. Like that's so true. So I love that. I'm so glad you brought up that point. And it's so important. I have so many other questions for you that we obviously just cannot get to. You have so much information that I think is so helpful and informative. So if we could wrap it up with some rapid fire questions. Yes. 
Let's do it. Okay, great. Let's do it. Okay. Again, I know we kind of, this is like counter everything we talked about that there is no one size fits all approach. So we are not saying anyone needs to copy exactly what you do, but I'm curious, what is your go-to breakfast? For me, I'm a big toast and spread of any type. So I'm like an avocado toast with lox or hard-boiled egg, or just, I like to do like a crunchy almond butter. And lately I've been really into the pumpkin butter from Trader Joe's. It's like really more, it's funny that they call it pumpkin butter because it's more, more like jelly. It's like a pumpkin jelly, but it's so good on a piece of sprouted green bread. And that's, what? that's my go-to. I haven't heard of this pumpkin so butter. Good. Oh my God. It's delicious with the almond butter. It's so good. So that's what I've, oh that's God, the kick that. I've been on lately. That's so, oh my gosh, that's inspiring. I need to go get this pumpkin <laughs> butter. That sounds so good. Okay. Your favorite holiday food or recipe? I'm a dessert person for sure. I'm not really like a big meat person. I'm not, I mean, I do, I've always liked vegetables. I've never been a big meat person, but for me, the excitement comes from the dessert. So really like any dessert, I, you really can't go wrong, but I do love like a good sweet potato pie is actually one of my favorites. I like pumpkin, but I actually like sweet potato pie even better. But yeah, give me, you know, give me any dessert that you can and I won't be mad at it. Like I'll, I'll eat it for <laughs> sure. I'll enjoy it. So it, I'm not picky there. It's anything. I love, big it. Sweet tooth. I love it. Yes. Oh my God. Now I want sweet potato pie. That sounds so good. You're making it's me so hungry. Fun. I'm like, I should have, I need to eat lunch after this and it's good. like 10 o'clock. Mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. And then uh, what is your all-time favorite movie and why? Oh, I like that one. You know what? One that always like comes up. I mean, I have a lot of of really of like favorites, but I love The Fifth Element. It's like always was my favorite movie. For some reason, I love like anything futuristic. And I love that there's like, I think I just always love that there was like a female who was like the strongest and like it was like a f- empowering to me. And so kind of combined both sides of me that I really like in a, in a movie. So that's like an older one. I mean, I've like newer ones, but that's, that's probably got to be the one that I always like randomly will think about. It comes up when my husband knows I love it. So if I ever see it, I'm like, oh, there it is. So, and I saw that many, many years ago when it came out. Um, and that's it, how you know it's a good one is if it like sticks yeah. with you years later. Bruce Willis. Yes. Gotta, gotta love it. Yep. Gotta love it. That's so good. Okay, last one. Um, what tool, resource, book, podcast, TV show, documentary, anything that changed your life and resonated with you that you can leave with our audience? Ooh, that's a hard one that changed my it's life. Tough. I wouldn't say that I've had one specific thing that changed my life. I know that's kind of boring, but I would just say that I'm that person that's constantly seeking things to inspire me. I listen to tons of different podcasts. Like I really just will sometimes be like, you know what? I want to learn more about this. And I search it in the engine, in the app, in the podcast app. And I will just listen to a few. I actually find a lot that way by 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 picking the topic I want to know about. And then that's how I find more. But you know, I would say like my more guilty pleasure podcast that I listen to when I just want to kind of like not have my nutrition hat on is smartless. That's a huge one. I know, but I just, they cry. Like I always, I just, comedy for me is so important. Like I just need that laugh. Like something to make me laugh is really like grounding and balancing for me. 
So that one I listen to a lot. And I'm a big, this might be controversial. Like I know not everyone loves her, but I'm a big Bethany Frankel fan. New York, she's a boss. She's a huge entrepreneur and she's very successful. And I find that really motivating for me, my personality. And I love, I love women who are like not afraid to be honest, speak their mind. And sometimes she goes too far, but she's someone that I listen to a lot. But, you know, I kind of like, don't know that something's helping inspire me until it already happens. You know, it's like, it just like happens. And I'm like, Oh, that's a different way to look at it. That's a different way to look at this. So I, I would say that I, I just am constantly looking for ways to be inspired. And sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it changes the way I think about things and sometimes it doesn't. And that's just the honest truth. So maybe I need to think about that one more. No, those are actually really great tips though. Yeah. Like I, I love that. Like thinking about seeking out podcasts based on a topic and going that route to learn, laughing, being grounding. I think that's a great tip. I really, I mean, I could see a lot of you and Bethany Frankel. I really could. (laughs) Like you guys are kind of similar. Do people ever tell you that or am I the first? Like you're not the first, but like, you know, I think it's kind of like, again, when you look up to people, right, maybe you kind of, you just like naturally emulate them. because you already feel like you relate to them and you see similarities. Like, yes, you could act like them, but I think it's like one of the reasons why is I do feel like I have similarity. Like I can relate to her in a lot of ways. So yeah. I, I, it makes sense. Put it that way. I don't, it'll hear it all the time, but it makes <laughs> sense. So funny. That is funny. I know because now after you said, I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's like the New York accent or what that I'm like, you are kind of like Bethany Frankel <laughs> and you got like the the badass energy. Like, so you really are. It's it's so funny. Yay. Take that as a compliment. Yeah, you should. You should. Absolutely. But thank you so much for coming on. You have so many great tips that I know are really going to resonate and help people out, especially at this time of year. Where can everyone find you, your Instagram, your book? Where can everyone go to if they want more of you? Because I know that they will. Yes. So you can follow me on social. I'm on Instagram at Lisa M Nutrition. Very simple and easy. My practice page website is nynutritiongroup.com. So www.nynutritiongroup.com. And we do offer uh, virtual nutrition counseling and in-person. And we do take most major health insurance plans because we believe nutrition should be accessible and affordable to all and not a luxury thing. And then the book that I authored, it came out actually earlier this year in January, The Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan. And it's supposed to help bridge the gap between wanting to improve your relationship with food and lose weight at the same time. You don't necessarily have to pick aside that you can find on my website and most major retailers like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, etc. Thank you so much, Lisa. I love that. And the book is really good. I've just been reading through it. I got a few days ago and it's so good. So everyone go check it out. Thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.